As you look around this room this morning, we as God's people can most of the time see something that you don't normally see out in this world today. We will find out what that is here in a minute. But first, let's turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2 and verse 1. We're told here to the angel of the Ephesian church writes, I know your works, your labor, your endurance, that you cannot bear those who are able and that you did test those who proclaim themselves to be apostles but are not and did find them liars. Verse 3, and that you have borne much and have endured. And for my name's sake, I have labored, labored and have not grown weary. You know, they seem to be on the right path here. But verse 4 says, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And brethren, I have seen this happen many times. When people lose their first love for God's truth, they also lose their love for one another. And we see that today. But when we look around in this room, it God has seized Hebrews 13 and verse 1. We're told here, let brotherly love be present among you continually. And we see it. It's not a part-time love that we have because we're told it should be a via monster. Be with us continually for the brethren. And we see that at this feast. We want to help one another at this feast. You know, when we see someone that needs some help, we're always willing to help, whether it may be helping someone bring in something from their vehicle or helping with set up, taking down the foods. We're concerned about God's people, and that's what these days of this feast, that's what they picture. We will be helping people get their lives back together during the millennium. And this feast is a foretaste of that time. So we are willing to help. And now God requires us to help those in the future. So why would we not do that now? Helping the brethren. Let's turn to Matthew 24. Now what do we see as we look around this world today? Most of the time. Matthew 24 and verse 12. We're told here, and because lawlessness shall be multiplied, and certainly you can look around and see that, brethren, today. There's no law. And because of that, the love of many shall grow cold. You know, you can look at the society today and see how lawlessness has multiplied, and it has grown cold. Look at the headlines today. You know, you see mothers drown their own children. You see children murder their own parents because they would not give them money. And I've noticed recently there is a lot of murder-suicides. Mothers and fathers shooting their children and then killing themselves. You know, you can say recently that and my son and I came out of a store one day and people had a shopping cart full 
And and they came out the exit is, or the entrance as we were going in, and they were stealing. But nothing's done about it. That's why we still have it today. And why do we still have it? Because Satan is the god of this world. And if he can take love out of our lives, then Satan is taking God out of our life because God is love. You know, those who go together, you have love and you have God, you have God and you have love. They go together. Let's go now to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. Because we're told here, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. You know, God requires us to teach our children. Parents are not teaching their children God's laws today and God's way of life. You know, most of the time in today's society, with both parents working, the kids are usually at home by themselves. There's no guidance. There's no family meals together. The structure of the family, how God intended, is not there anymore. It's broken down. A study once disclosed that of both mom and dad attended church regularly, 72% of children remained faithful. If only the dad, 55% remained faithful. If only mom, 15% remained faithful. If neither attended, only 6% remained faithful. So the statistics here speak for themselves. The example of parents and adults is very important in our children's lives. Here's what all be taught in God's kingdom. Most of what we are today, ourselves, is because of our parents and how they taught us by their example. Likewise, if parents are loving, then their children most likely will be loving as well. Showing our children how to love God has to be done by example. And when it comes to loving God, if we're not loving others, then we're not experiencing the true life that God wants us to have and that He offers us. True love for God will result in a selfless sacrifice to serve others because that's what we want to do. That's what God's people does. We don't just say we love. Love is an action. We haven't put forth the evidence to be able to do these things. Be turning to John chapter 13. When Benjamin Franklin wished to interest the people of Philadelphia in street lighting, he didn't just try to persuade them by just talking about it. Instead, he hung a beautiful lantern on a long bracket before his own door. Then he kept the glass brightly polished, carefully hung it at the approach of dusk. People wandering about on the dark street, they saw Franklin's light. They saw it a long way off, so they came under the influence of its friendly glow. To each one it seemed to say, Come along, my friend, here is a safe place that you can walk. You won't stumble. There will be no cobblestones sticking out. 
I shall be there to help you tomorrow if you wish to come by. Done by example. John 13, verse 34. Here we have Christ's example. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And it's by this that all men will know that we are Christ's disciples if we love one another. And Jesus says, as I have loved you. That's the example that he gave us. And this simple command requires greater strength for us because to be able to do that requires God's Spirit that's in us living and moving us forward. You know, we can always say it's easy to love our neighbors. But how easy is it to love your enemies? You know, God tells us to love our enemies. You know, I can't love my enemies. It's too hard. But this can be done if we have God's Spirit living in us and growing in us. And especially here, we follow Christ's example that he gives us. Right, First John 3, 18 in your notes, notes, it says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So we see here, brethren, our example is important. And Christ gave us the ultimate example. You know, when God commends his own love to us because when we were sinners, he gave his son. What a wonderful example of love toward us. Let's go now to Galatians 5 and verse 22. I want to look at these qualities that we as God's people need to have in our lives. As God is preparing us to be kings and priests, as these days picture in, in the millennium. And we can look at these qualities as leadership qualities that we can put in our lives. But I want to look at these qualities a little bit different today. I want to start looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and I want to start at the back, the last one, and I want to move forward, move back from there. So let's begin in verse 23, Galatians 5, and let's look at self-control. We'll go through a lot of scriptures if you want to write these down and look at them later. Self-control, turn to Proverbs, Proverbs 16 and verse 32. We're told here, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. First Peter 4 and verse 7 says, But the end of all things is at hand, but you therefore sober and watch until prayer. And watch under prayer. That means be looking out for the end of all things in such a manner as to lead us to embrace all opportunities for prayer. And as we look around this world today, we see it going down. We know it's going down. And it's God's people for us striving to follow God in all that we do. There will always be something to pray about. 
and it will get worse as time goes on. So next, let's look at meekness or gentleness. Titus chapter 3 and verse 2 says to speak evil on no man, to be no brawlers. You know, you can attack a person with words. But we are to be gentle, showing all meekness unto all leaders. Proverbs 15 and verse 1. A soft answer turns away red, but grievous words stir up anger. You know, someone may say this, it gets over here, someone else says that, they're going at each other, and the words keep coming until the anger is stirred up. You know, stir up, nothing stirs up anger and sows discord like grievous words. Matthew 5 and verse 5. We're told here, the blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, is this something that we are practicing now in our lives? How hard is it to give a soft answer? You know, with God's spirit in us, it's easier and becomes easier than you think. You know, are we taking a city by ruling our spirit? Are we being slow to anger? We need to be practicing that quality. Next will be bait. Hebrews 11, verse 6. You know, do we want to please God? Yes, we do. We all want to please God and what He does for us. Is it important to have faith in our lives? Hebrews 11, verse 6 tells us now without faith, it's impossible to please God. For it's mandatory for the one who comes to God because we have to believe that He exists. Do we have the faith that He exists? Yes, we do. And that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Matthew 21, verse 22. And everything that you will ask in prayer, believing, we shall receive. And as Freda says over and over, it has to be God's will. And if it's something we ask for and it's God's will, then He will provide that for us. Proverbs 28 and verse 20. A faithful man shall overflow with blessings, but he who makes haste to be rich shall not be unpunished. Yeah, is all of our transactions as we go through life, are they just? Are they true? They need to be. Now let's look at goodness. Psalm 23 and verse 6. We're told here, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Think about all the days of my life. You know the mercies of God are new every morning? Have you ever thought of it in that way? Do you ever get up in the morning and wonder what they will be for that day? They come all day long. And this temporal goodness abides as long as our life exists. So as we have an opportunity, let's do it. What is good toward all men? 
especially those who are of the household of God. That's what God expects of us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 15. Neither do you light a lamp. Just as Benjamin Franklin, he didn't hide it. Neither did you light a lamp and put it under a measuring basket, but on a stand. And it shines to all who are in the house. Even so, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works, that they may see our example. Even while we're here in Branson, are we showing a good example? Because when we do, we glorify our Father in heaven. And that, that's what He wants to see. So everything we do in our lives should glorify God. Next, let's look at kindness. Ephesians 4. In verse 32, Ephesians 4, verse 32 says, And be kind and tenderhearted toward one another, forgiving one another, even as God has forgiven us. Even as, you know, God has shown himself to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to each one of us. So it's with us that we need to do the same, that we in turn shall also be kind, forgiving to our fellow man. You know, who's done us wrong, but not in the degree that we've done wrong against God. So we should be able to forgive others. You know, it caused God the death of His Son as man to forgive us, but it cost us nothing to give our fellow man. And we can do that with God's help. Also, don't forget Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15. If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not, there's that, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither Will your Father in heaven forgive you yours? Very important. Let's look now at long suffering. Psalm chapter 37. In verse 7, it says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not credit yourselves because of him who prospers in his way. You know, I've often looked around at people in this world that, man, they've got everything they need. You know, why did God not call? But it's not their time. But they do prosper. But it may be because of wicked schemes that they have gotten their money. So we depend on God to give us what we need. You know, it's often an additional uneasiness to see people of God under affliction. Especially when you look around and see all these other people discover everything. We didn't contrive and devise wicked wickedness to be able to get what we have. Ours comes from God. Revelation 14 and verse 12 says, Here is the patience of the saints. Of the saints. You know, sometimes it is hard to be patient. Here are the ones who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. 
you know, we need to do what it says here. We need to be patient. We can't grow weary as time goes on because we don't know how much time's left. Now let's go and look at peace. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Let's begin in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God in everything. You know, with thanksgiving, thanksgiving connected with prayer, we can always find something to be thankful for, no matter what may be in our heart. King want, but God will provide. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard our hearts and our thoughts in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We have to have that trust in our Father in heaven. Then we will have the peace that he wants us to have. Let's look now at joy. Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You know, genuine happiness is spiritual. As it can only come from God. I've seen stories of people that have won the lottery and millions in the lottery. And many have said that their lives were turned upside down. Many of them wished that they had not won those millions of dollars because money didn't buy them happiness in just a few months or years. It's all gone. And many of them are back out on the street. They're homeless. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. You know, God even tells us to rejoice at this feast. Rejoice always. We rejoice because we've been given God's knowledge and understanding. He's opened our mind to that. So we ought to have, and it ought to bring true joy to us. And how do we do that? Verse 17, First Thessalonians 5. Pray unceasingly. We pray to God about everything in our life. And verse 18, we give thanks and everything wherever he gives us and provides for us because that's his will for us. Yes, God wants us to have true joy and happiness in our lives. So we end now with love. First Corinthians chapter 13 is often to refer to as the love chapter. So let's look at First Corinthians 13 and verse 4. What is love? Will it be in God's kingdom? Yes, it will. Why is it all love's patient? Love is kind, which is extending good to others. Love envies not, does not brag about itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave disgracefully, does not seek its own things, not easily provoked. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. So will love be in God's kingdom? Yes, it will. Verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and love endures all things. Verse Peter 4, verse 8 says, but above all, have her love among yourselves, 
because love will cover a multitude of sin. You know, Ephesians 4, verses 2 through 4 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. And we're not perfect yet, but our love can take care of those. Because of our love, make every effort to keep yourselves united. Does God want us to be united here at this feast? Yes, He does. And with His Spirit in us, we can be. Because we have to be united in the Spirit. That's what binds us together. And that's what gives us peace. So I wanted to start with the last one and move up to the first. And if you look, as you begin reading in Galatians 5, verse 22, it says the fruit of the Spirit. I had someone tell me that it's not the fruits of the Spirit. So you have to have all of them together. You can't be missing one of them. So if we have self-control, if we have gentleness or meekness, faith, goodness, if we have kindness, patience, or long-suffering, if we have peace and joy in our life, if we have all of these without missing one, then we will have love in our life. But you have to have oil. You can't pick the ones that are easy to do. They all have to be together because it is the fruit of God's Spirit. And we're building these qualities so that we may learn how to love in God's kingdom and to be able to help others. And as we look around at this feast, we know we're building on these characteristics. We're growing in them to make them better because they're not perfect yet. We see God's love for each one of us here at this feast. And we have that same love that one to know. So if we close, let's turn to John chapter 13. Let's see what Christ tells us here in verse 34. We're told here, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. I have loved you. The example Christ gave us and the example we show to others, that you also love one another. Will love be in God's kingdom? Yes, for sure it will be. Second Corinthians 13, verse 11. In conclusion, brother, rejoice. Rejoice at this feast. Be perfected. We're learning God's truth in a deeper way than we ever have before. Be encouraged. Be of the same mind because we need to have that same spirit. Be at peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with us all here at this feast. Have a wonderful rest of the Feast of Tabernacles 2023.